0: Welcome to the Launcher Radio Network, I'm Brian Horn, and today I'm joined by Steve Jones. Steve is a speaker and author of Brand Like a Rockstar and Start You Up. Steve, how are you doing
1: today? Great, Brian, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show.
0: Um, With book titles like that, it's clear you are not involved in the green industry, but you do come from the music industry, you have a long career in marketing. Um, Can you give our audience a little background on who you've worked with in the music industry?
1: Yeah, well, I spent most of my career on the radio side of of the music business, developing radio brands for companies in the U.S. and the Caribbean and Canada. And in that time, had just a, a wonderful opportunity to work alongside the record labels and the bands as countless careers. Were launched and some successfully and some not so successfully Um, so you know I was able to be there from from the early 80s and watching you know uh, all the bands that came up through the 80s and and the the bands like U2 and Springsteen and ACDC that dominated through that decade and uh, you know was there for the rise of grunge music and and the rise of boy bands in in the late 90s and 2000s so I've had a chance to watch and observe and be part of all that excitement and, and all the fun of the music industry and Um, along the way, took a lot of those observations with me and applied them to what I was doing in terms of building radio brands. And a few years ago, realized that there was an opportunity here, that the lessons I was using to build successful radio stations could be applied to any sort of business. And that led to Brand Like a Rockstar, um, which in turn led to the new book, Start You Up, that uh, comes out in May, which is sort of applying the rock star strategies to success, um, to the individual, to the to the person whose name is on the business or to someone developing their career and their personal brand.
0: Well, can you elaborate a little bit? Um, what can small business owners learn from the music industry? What are maybe your top three tips that, you know, uh, a landscaper in Montana can start tomorrow or next week that you learned from the music industry?
1: Well, number one is that we, we need to be different and, and not so much better. In other words, if I'm looking for a, a landscaper in Montana and I'm a customer and there are a dozen to choose from, it's really difficult for me as the average homeowner, property owner, to know the difference between great and really, really great. But in business, we seem to think intuitively that if we're better, we'll be more successful. And rock and roll has proven that wrong time and time again. And one of the best examples I can think of is probably KISS. In the early 70s, KISS was going nowhere. They were a band called Wicked Lester. They couldn't buy a hit. And they were almost about to break up. And then they decided to try something different. They gave the band a new name. Obviously, they gave them a new look with the comic book um, makeup and imagery and the, the fire breathing and, and all the blood spitting, all the crazy things KISS did. And immediately, they got noticed. And within two years, they were on a world tour. That is two years from absolute anonymity to a world tour. And I don't think any band can go from being you know, terrible to the world's greatest musical virtuosos in two years. Um, KISS was, was, was never about being better. They were about being dramatically different. So the first thing I would say to, to you know, the average landscaper in Montana is what makes you dramatically different from the guy down the street? What, what sets you apart from everyone else doing what you do? And, and think beyond quality. Uh, obviously, quality is important. If you don't have quality, you're going to get that first customer and, and never get repeat business. You'll never get referrals. There'll never be word of mouth. You have to have quality. But beyond being good at what you do, or hopefully great at what you do, what makes you dramatically different at what you do, and what makes you stand out against everyone else in your field? I think that would be, you know, point number one through five if I were to do a top ten of, of um, you know, pieces of advice for small business owners.
0: Uh, what mistakes do you see small business owners uh, make? along the lines of branding and marketing?
1: A lot of small business owners don't realize that they're a brand. They think of branding as a big business thing, as a Coke and Apple and Ford and Nike. And, and while those are great brands and those companies do great branding, what small businesses most often fail to realize is that whether you want to take part in this exercise of branding, whether you believe it to be true or not, it's real. People develop perceptions about you and your business, whether you want them to or not, and those perceptions will decide for them whether they hire you or not. So you can bury your head and say, No, I'm just a small business, I'm not a I'm not a brand, but you are a brand because a brand is the emotional impact you make on your customers and, and the emotional need you serve within them. That is your brand. So whether even if you choose not to acknowledge it, it's happening. So the the first step is as a small business, recognize that you are leaving behind perceptions and you are satisfying emotional needs for better or for worse with your customers. Once you um, accept that, you have the opportunity then to start to, um, in a positive way, manipulate those emotional needs that you satisfy. You can start to influence how people perceive you and you can start to build a better brand, a stronger brand. It is absolutely vital for a small business. In fact, probably more so for a small business than a big business to develop a strong brand because small businesses live and breathe in the community they're in. You will see your customers at uh, the Rotary Club or at church or at, mm-hmm. you know, Little League. You'll you'll see these people, and, and they are your neighborhood. Uh, so having a strong brand really matters in a small community where you're a small business owner as much as it does to an Apple or a Ford or Coke or Nike.
0: Uh, and you, you had mentioned Kiss, and I'm a Kiss fan, and I'll probably I could probably dork out for an, about an hour. But um, you, they've rebranded many times, maybe successfully and unsuccessfully. Um, do small business have to approach rebranding the same way they would approach their initial brand
1: well, branding? You want to understand the core uh, needs that you satisfy in your customers, and and that will probably be your brand as long as you exist. Now, the, the the key to rebranding, I think, for Kiss was a need to you know rejuvenate the brand and get people talking about the band again. So they went through the, you know, where well, they took the makeup off in in 1983, I believe it was. You probably mm-hmm. know better than me, but it I think was it was eight. September of '83. Mm-hmm. And and they took the makeup off, and that was a short that gave them a boost. And they had to lick it up, and Heaven's on Fire, and they had an album or two that was big. And then they faded away and became another hair band, and then needed to rejuvenate the brand and came back with the makeup and. They've done that successfully several times, but I think at the core of all that has always been the same sort of core values of KISS. And so you understand what the core values of your brand are, um, and hopefully those stay with you for life. And as you maybe update your logo or change your look or move locations or do different things to keep people talking about you and get you interested, hopefully all those things continue to reflect the core values of your brand. If they don't, you're probably looking at more than a simple sort of rebranding, or remasking of your company, you're probably looking at a relaunching and a, a renaming and sort of you know an entirely new brand altogether, because if the core values don't match up, you really can't have any credibility uh, trying to rebrand. Like a good example might be U2. In, in in the 80s, U2 was huge with the Joshua Tree and Rattle and Hum, and then they got very eclectic and experimental into the 90s, and by the mid 90s, it recorded an album that was so bizarre and and uh, not like U2 that when they released it, they released it under a different band name. They called their band Passengers and released this album sort of anonymously. And I think that was a brilliant idea. They, uh, they realized that what they were about to do didn't match up with the core values of the U2 brand. So it couldn't, it couldn't be a U2 album. Similarly, in small business, if you're going to do something that doesn't reflect your core values, you need to come up with a new brand uh, to do them under. And if you are at a point where you feel that you can no longer represent the values that you started out with, the things that define your business, uh, it's probably more than a rebranding you're looking at. It's probably an entirely new brand you're launching.
0: Is it important that the marketing materials you have or your branding say your core values? Or um, is that something that can remain internal within the company you guys might know this is your core values, but do you think the customers have to see that in the branding as well?
1: No, they don't have to see it, and, in your, your, and your materials don't have to say it, but they have to reflect it and exude it. So, uh, you know, a company like Apple, um, I think you could take anything and put it in an Apple ad, and it would feel like an Apple product. You know, you could put a bottle of shampoo or some, you know, some soda, whatever it is, Apple has a look and feel that when that ad comes on, you almost intuitively know this is an Apple ad. And it's just in there. Those core values are embedded in everything they do. So you you don't have to say your core values in your marketing pieces. You have to live them and exude them in everything you do. But it, it's not as it's not as black and white as writing them down. It's more uh, intuitive. It's more emotional. It's, it's, it's more a reflection of how people feel about you and always reflecting back to them, you know, those feelings that you want to create in them. And for a landscape business, that might be, you know, pride of ownership in a beautiful home. It might be having the most beautiful manicured property on on the block, or it may be a a reflection of your sensitivity toward the environment, and you're the kind of person who wants to make sure that they don't pollute their children with chemicals when they go to, you know, play catch on the lawn. Um, If those are your core values, then those things need to be reflected, not necessarily stated, but reflected in everything you do.
0: Are you seeing any fads in branding and marketing uh, this year, maybe last year, recently, that that you think... uh, Maybe, maybe some that are good and some that are bad?
1: Well, I think maybe. one that's, that's, that's been both good and bad has been social media. And I hate to call social media a fad because it's, it's more <laughs> than a fad. It's a reality. Uh-huh. But a lot of businesses have decided that social is all they need and that they can use Facebook or Twitter and that can become their marketing. That can become their branding. Uh, and I think that's a big mistake. I think that's a negative fad. You don't own those platforms and then those platforms can do with your brand what they want. I think it's very important that Uh, that brands own their own platform, their website, their look and their feel and and don't rely on social to do that for them. And the other problem with social media is that it doesn't necessarily uh, replace marketing at all. In fact, if you become the guy at the party who's constantly selling things, you'll be the guy at the party nobody wants to talk to. And a lot of businesses need to look at social media like a party. They've arrived at a group as a group of people at a party and and they're circulating and uh, Mm -hmm. if all they do is is pump and, uh, and sell what they do, uh, pretty soon there won't be anybody around them. Um, so there's a lot of mistakes being made in the social circle that I think are dangerous and sort of fad-like. Ultimately, social media itself is hardly a fad. It's just another extension of, uh, of word of mouth with probably a way more powerful microphone than used to exist.
0: Right. I see. Before I let you go, I, I have to ask you, do you have any a story you can maybe tell from your years in the music industry that you know you can tell to us
1: <laughs> uh, lots of of really good stories. <laughs> One of the, the stories I like the most are the ones that positively reflect the musicians, because I think everyone's looking for for the negative story. Everyone everyone loves the uh, the the crazy details of Justin Bieber getting arrested, or <laughs> or the guys from Motley Crue overdosing on drugs, and mm-hmm. those make for great stories. And in the new book Start You Up, I do talk about you know Nikki Sixx of Motley Crue, and then the fact that he actually was brought back to life, and the whole. The song Kickstart, My Heart, was, was written after he was brought back from uh, death after a drug overdose and how he, he reinvented his brand as he went on. But um, more than those dark and, and, and uh, sort of wild and crazy stories, I like the human stories. And, and one I would share with you would be um, a couple of years ago when I had a backstage passes to go see Taylor Swift, the country singer. Mm-hmm. And um, I had two passes. It was me plus a guest unfortunately i was at the concert with my family my wife and my two sons and my friend tom and his two sons and his daughter so we had to decide who was going to get that second backstage pass and because my boys are teenagers and so are his we immediately eliminated them because they (laughs) wanted to go way too bad (laughs) and for all the wrong reasons right Uh, so it became tom's daughter maggie who was is nine years old and maggie and i went backstage to meet taylor swift and we were with taylor for about 90 seconds and in that time all Taylor Swift cared about was Maggie. Um, she was so human and so real and so warm in that interaction that she created a fan for life. And if you look at Taylor Swift's music, she does the same thing. She, she just exposes her life in a very human and real and honest way. And I, I, I think those stories are as powerful as, as any negative story because they remind us in business that, you know, we, we need to be that way. We need to be human and real and uh, a warm and caring. And sometimes things will, not sometimes, a lot of times things will go wrong in business, right? You'll have a, inevitably, you know, you'll have a customer soon who's unhappy with the work that was done. Um, that's an opportunity to be real and human and warm and accountable and to sort of take that Taylor Swift approach and say, okay, for this customer, nothing matters to me but you. Let's fix this. Um, taking that just completely transparent, warm, human approach to business is a very, very powerful tool, and that's one of the one of the cool things I took away from meeting Taylor Swift. And actually, we, what was neat about that was um, I blogged about it shortly after that, and a few months later received a package in the mail from Taylor Swift's management company, who had seen the blog post and wanted to mm-hmm. thank me for, for writing nice things about her. And I think that's kind of cool because they don't need to do that. This is a woman who sells millions and millions of, okay. of albums and CDs and digital downloads every day. doesn't need the help of a of an author and speaker on, on the topic, but, yeah, mm-hmm. was grateful for it. And I think that if we, uh, in business, the more human and, and warm and, and transparent and honest we can be, the better.
0: Well, next time someone makes fun of Taylor Swift now, I will have to stick up for them. That's a nice story. <laughs> you, you know, know
1: what? It. She's built a fan for life in in me, at least, <laughs> uh, maybe not as much for the music, but definitely for the uh, person behind it.
0: Right, and it's nice to hear that she, she gets it, that it is a business, and those fans are going to grow up in three years, and that's key to keeping them around. So,
1: Oh, yeah, we're... absolutely, absolutely.
0: All right, Steve. Well, hey, I really appreciate your time. Um, and one more time, I want to remind everyone that the two books are Brand Like a Rockstar and Start You Up.
1: Yeah, Start You Up, Rockstar Secrets to Unleash Your Personal Brand and Set Your Career on Fire. That's the new one. It's available for pre-order now on, on Amazon and other digital download sites. And Brand Like a Rockstar has been out for, uh, for a little while and, and is also available at all the usual... Uh, Locations in both digital download and uh, paperback. Perfect. All right, Steve, well, hey, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Great to talk to you.